Popularity. What is it made of? How does a person get to be... The Outline. World Dispatch. It's Tuesday, October 17th, 2017. I'm Adrian Jeffries, and today on The Dispatch, Daniel Carter on the depressing future of the gig economy. The weirdest part is when it starts sending you off to companies' websites and saying, hey, read about these cheese snacks and then come back and tell us, you know, a fact you learned about cheese snacks. And Anne Derek Gaillot floats around in Sarah Silverman's liberal bubble. For Silverman, the discussion is an exercise in picking your battles. Here's the dispatch. The future. Companies like Uber, Favor, and Amazon's Mechanical Turk are pioneering the rapidly growing gig economy. But there is one very strange gig economy platform that you may not have heard of. It's called CrowdTap. Daniel Carter is here to talk about why he became fascinated with it. Hi, Daniel. Hey, Adrian. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Most people have heard of Uber and maybe Fiverr or Favor or some of these other gig economy platforms, but I'm not sure that most people would be familiar with CrowdTap. How did you discover CrowdTap? I was researching uh, influencer marketing, so basically kind of celebrities and smaller celebrities who do this kind of stuff for money. Um, post YouTube videos, um, monetize their Instagram, stuff like that. And then I just kind of started descending and I started looking at bloggers and realizing how much of blogging is just paid uh, sponsored content. And when I was doing that, I was looking at a lot of these Twitter feeds uh, using these hashtags that supposedly um, supposedly bloggers and other people are required to use if they're uh, promoting sponsored content. And I just saw all of these posts that looked very strange. Um, people who didn't have a lot of followers, I've seen just post after post after post with kind of the same content. And so digging in there, I, I basically discovered CrowdTap and these other kind of similar platforms. When you say some of the same content, can you give me an example? What kind of content are we talking about? Uh, so, you know, five or 10 tweets in a row about applesauce or about, um, Johnson and Johnson products, you know, what, what it turns out to is that they're filling out prompts. So you'll see, you know, half of a sentence and then a couple words that are different and then the same hashtags. And you can scroll through if you're searching on Twitter and read, you know, 30 or 40 of these people who are saying the same things about applesauce or something. And you signed up for CrowdTap and actually tried it out so you could see the other side of what was producing these odd social media posts. What was it like? Really weird. Um, well, I guess it's both really weird and really um, maybe really familiar in a lot of ways, too, um, in that, like, we're kind of used to getting points online for doing things and trying to count up to numbers and, um, you know, getting little dings when we complete a task. Uh, so in that way, it's really familiar. But, um, you know, you sign on and you're presented with lists of missions that get you two points or 20 points and you start filling them out. And, um, you know, the weirdest part is when it starts sending you off to companies' websites and saying, hey, read about these cheese snacks and then come back and tell us, you know, a fact you learned about cheese snacks. Um, and that part is just really, really bizarre. Um you know, but at the same time, I, I was genuinely kind of motivated to get my 500 points, right? Like once you're to two or 300, you're kind of like, oh, I, I'll, I guess I should keep doing this. I guess I should keep uh, keep completing these missions. 
And what do you get if you make 500 points? Right after you sign up, 500 points gets you a $5 Amazon gift card. And it's 500 points for your first two Amazon gift cards, uh, according to what their representatives have told me. They're not super transparent about it on the website. Uh, And after your first two, it uh, goes up to 1,000 points for a $5 gift card. What you noticed when looking into CrowdTap was that the platform presents itself as a market research tool, but this kind of prompt that's like telling you to go read about cheese snacks and come up and tell, come back and tell us what you learned makes it seem more like not market research so much as just direct one-to-one high-touch advertising. Yeah, um, and that's really what surprised me the first time I started using it because I was really thinking about it as either market research or as social media marketing and um you know, ultimately, I think it's a weird blend of all those three, but the consumer education part is not talked about anywhere or really, um, you know, it's not acknowledged anywhere. You actually talked to some people who do this a lot. Yeah, I did. So I talked to these people about a year ago, uh, summer of 2016. Uh, I was part of my academic research. I was doing interviews with kind of a range of people who promote products online. And, you know, maybe unsurprisingly, it's a lot of people who say they're stay-at-home moms, some people uh, who say that they're disabled or that they don't leave the house a lot. And, you know, I think CrowdTap plays and, and similar platforms plays a really weird role in these people's lives where, you know, it probably is nice for them to have something to do. It probably is nice for them to earn points. And at the same time, it makes me really sad that kind of the, that's the structure that our society has for something to do when you're disabled at home or something to do when you're home with your child and don't have other things to do. Based on the 12 interviews you did, about how much are these people making per hour on CrowdTap? Very little. Um, so, you know, that's a hard thing to get an estimate for. And you kind of have to look at, you know, what are what prizes are you getting in a month? What free products are you getting a month? How many gift cards are you getting in a month? Um, but, you know, the estimates that I got from people ranged from maybe $11 at the very, very highest. And the average of the responses I got was about 250 an hour. I want to get at the broader implications of this and what really was compelling to me about this story, which is that we are seeing computers take over jobs. And this is kind of the last job that a computer could never do. I mean, there's actually science fiction about computers doing this job as well, but that was um, kind of your your big takeaway from, from looking at this. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I just felt like it was a very, you know, marketing products to yourself or kind of... Um, kind of um, increasing desire for products in yourself is this really uh, like dystopian vision of work, but it's actually um, a huge problem right now when we are seeing so much automation. And um, you know, when I think about these things, I think about Silicon Valley and um, 
how a lot of people in Silicon Valley would actually like to see or kind of are, are interested in minimum basic income. And then you ask, like, why are they interested in minimum basic income? It's like, well, Facebook makes money by selling to advertisers. And if nobody has any money, then, um, you know, the, the, the people at the top aren't, um, aren't going to be able to keep, keep doing what they're doing. Um, and so, you know, I think there's a lot of questions around exactly how these things work, but, um, you know, stimulating desire or, uh, stimulating consumption at the very low levels of, um, of income is a really, um, I think a really dark place in the future and CrowdTap just seemed to be dealing with it directly right now in a way that I hadn't expected. Daniel Carter is an assistant professor of digital media at Texas State University and a contributing writer for The Outline. Culture. There's something different about Sarah Silverman. The 46-year-old stand-up comic, who is known for her ironically un-PC brand of humor, seems to have left a bit of that style behind on her new Hulu show, I Love You America, which premiered on October 13th. I love you men, I love you women, I love straights and I love gays. I love all the Americans from places far away. The series, which is part talk show, part comedic documentary, follows Silverman's attempts to learn about the world outside of her home in LA in order to better understand Americans' varying political views. I live in a bit of a bubble. I'm on the left coast. I work in the entertainment industry. I generally try not to leave my apartment ever. And as a result, it's possible I may have some unfair preconceived notions about what people are like in the rest of America. but that's For her first effort, Silverman travels to Chalmette, Louisiana to meet the Standers, a working class family of, quote, Christian gun-owning Trump voters. Hello! For Silverman, the discussion is an exercise in picking your battles. You all voted for Trump. What were the reasons behind it? I did it for change. I feel like we've been going in the same direction, which is down for a long time now, and I feel like... After 26-year-old Brandy complains Obama gave too many handouts... Yeah. He did this to everybody. Here you go, here you go. Y'all don't work hard. Just just take everything, you know? Silverman doesn't push back, right. instead of asking the family about their health care coverage and letting the audience make its own conclusions. Healthcare. Do you get health care through work, or what is your... I'm on Medicaid. I'm on Medicaid, too. I, I mean, I'm a full-time student, so as long as you're a full-time student, that is a job. And you get it through what? To come. To go to the state, yeah. ACA? Wow, just whoever gives it. <laughs> the government, I guess. The government. Yeah, yeah you gotta apply. It felt so great to talk to somebody with different views and sit in a room and not be judged. It's a sentimental statement, though incorrect. At least some of Silverman's home audience surely is judging them not to mention the studio audience, which giggles and gasps throughout the show. But still what Brandy says points to one of the show's successes, highlighting American TV viewers' desire for dialogue outside of the outrage media cycle, and for discussion that is reasoned and informative without being dry or elitist. All right, new topic, gay marriage. How do we feel? All for it. Love is love in all of our eyes. We don't judge, we love no matter what. Watching the show, I couldn't help but wonder how it would have looked had it occurred closer to Silverman's home. Silverman is embarking on a mission many New York and LA media outlets have attempted since the election, to learn more about middle America, 
but it also allows her and her viewers some distance from identifying too strongly with Brandy. So Chalmette is a working class suburb of New Orleans that sits right on the banks of the Mississippi River in southeastern Louisiana. And the standards are a family of crab fishermen who were displaced during Hurricane Katrina. What if Silverman were to have such a conversation with a fellow woman working in Hollywood? Silverman is right in admitting that she's in a liberal bubble, but that bubble is a mindset, not a physical region. I've spent my life in blue state liberal bubbles, but I still have ex-classmates who migrated to New York and Los Angeles, and yes, voted for Trump. I know even more people who voted for Hillary, but still hold regressive views on race, class, gender, and sexuality. Silverman claims that familiarity can prevent the wounds caused by disagreement, but sometimes that familiarity makes those disagreements even harder to understand. Familiarity can reveal the difficult truth that you may not be as distant from what you fear as you previously believed. Considering 52% of white women voted for Donald Trump, as well as almost a third of California's overall population, it's not a stretch to say that Silverman probably knows at least one woman Trump voter within what she calls her liberal bubble. There may be value in a Hollywood celebrity learning what, quote, real Americans think and feel. But I'd argue that there's just as much, if not more, value in Silverman's examining the hypocrisy and ignorance that exists within her comfort zone as well. If Silverman is truly seeking to gain a better understanding, as she claims, hopefully her show will take the hard step of interviewing someone closer to home, and with whom it's not so easy to draw a line between them and herself. Ultimately, Silverman's show attempts to defy the bounds of the liberal bubble by relying mostly on gaining geographic distance. But until Silverman better articulates for her audience that that liberal bubble also encompasses the belief that liberals and people on the coast are exceptional, her attempt at demonstrating what reason, judgment-free, cross-cultural dialogue can look like will always fall short in the end. And Derek Gayo is a staff writer at The Outline. And thus concludes The Dispatch. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your ears. I'm Adrian Jeffries. More stories tomorrow.